You're listening to the Arctic Circle podcast. In this episode, we listen to a panel hosted by Arctic Base Camp on encouraging bold climate action. The panelists are Gail Whiteman, founder of Arctic Base Camp and professor of sustainability at the University of Exeter's Business School, Jill Einhorn, head of innovation and transformation at the Center for Nature and Climate at the World Economic Forum, and Jan Gunnarwinter, Director of the Centre for the Ocean and the Arctic and Specialist Director at the Norwegian Polar Institute. This event originally took place at the 2022 Arctic Circle Assembly in Reykjavik, Iceland. Well, hello everybody. We are the last session before lunch, so always always an enviable, enviable position. My name is Gail Whiteman. I'm a professor of sustainability at the University of Exeter, and I'm also the founder of Arctic Base Camp. Arctic Base Camp is a registered not-for-profit that specializes in science communication, and we are very thankful to Chairman Grimson for inviting us back to the Arctic Circle Assembly, and this time pitching our Arctic Base Camp tent, which you might have seen by the reception last night, and certainly will see, which is outside now in the front of the Harpa. Now, we've got an interesting discussion, but the first thing that I want to do is give you a bit of a background on, if I can start the... The, the, this should rotate, on what is Arctic Base Camp. Now, we are a science communication uh, platform. We heard a question from the audience a second ago that the Arctic is an emerging market. Well, indeed, that might be the case, but from a scientific perspective, we actually see the Arctic as a barometer of global risk. The, the Arctic, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, so emerging market or not, it is, it, is, it is sounding an alarm bell that sometimes those in power around the world can not hear well. So in 2010, I went on a scientific trip in the Canadian Northwest Passage, and I'm a, a social scientist, and I specialize in trying to get boardrooms around the world to understand environmental risk. And I went with Eddie Carmack and David Hick and a number of other of the Canadian Arctic uh, experts and scientists, and it was clear then in 2010 that what was happening in the Arctic was going to be creating global risks around the world. But when I looked at the audiences that I was talking to in the boardrooms around the world and in places like the World Economic Forum, that was not on the agenda anywhere near where we thought it should be. So coming out of that trip and coming out of a a 2011 Arctic Frontiers Conference, what we decided to do was we decided to take the Arctic and Arctic scientists to Davos, to the, the biggest meeting around the world on global risk, which is convened every January. Now, we came up with this idea 2011, 2012. It took us some time to get to Davos. Some of you in the room have been there. You've seen what it's like. But for most of the, us, including myself, I had no idea it was so difficult to actually get there and actually have a place to stay and try to talk to the world's elite, from government, from policy, from media, and occasionally from civil society. So in 2016, we decided to just actually take a weather haven tent, set it up in Davos, camp there in the winter, and brief world leaders on global risks and try to come up with solutions. Luckily, Connie Steffen, of course, a legendary Greenland glaciologist that unfortunately is no longer with us, offered his backyard of his research center in Davos, and that's where we started. We brought in Al Gore, Christiana Figueres, CEOs. Um, uh, the next year, Greta came and camped with us, with us with her with her father, the first time she ended up going to Davos. We have expanded what we do in this pop-up to 
to really say these are the global risks, and this is why it's important to this audience. We work with world-class scientists, many of those that you, you will see on the screen here beside me. Juliana Struva, of course, uh, we're usually uh, working on this together. She could not come. She is ill. But what we try to do is say the Arctic is going to pose major problems around the world for the people that are there. Extreme weather, heat stress, um, threats to food and water security, and onwards and onwards. So what we've done with Arctic Base Camp is something that we're quite proud of. We've had a session inside uh, the Congress Center with Prime Minister Santa Marin, um, and we go every year and we're going back uh, certainly in January. But what we can see is that it's just not enough. It's not enough to pop up with the world's elite. They come into our tent, we brief them, we shock them, we try to get them to act faster. But it is not enough to do that. So where we are working now is we are working into the online space. And we have created a prototype, which we launched at Davos this year, on a global risk platform, which tries to curate that Arctic science data that so many of you in the room have, and make it understandable and powerful for those that actually have the power to make radical, transformative action. So certainly what we need, it's a prototype, we need feedback from you, we need your, more data, we need more visualizations, we need more mechanisms to get this out there. But the Arctic Base Camp model is very much about taking Arctic science into the forums that it needs to be. Clearly, it's all over the Arctic Circle, so that is already a uh, you know well done uh, uh, programming. But many places around the world, it certainly isn't there, and that's where we pop up with the iconic Weatherhaven tent and actually try to make people listen. We always partner with solutions, but I think at the same time we can all see that that's not enough. No. So that's enough about Arctic Base Camp. What I'd like to do now is move into a discussion with my two guests to really say this is an opportunity space that Arctic Base Camp has kind of cracked open with the World Economic Forum, and it's the so what, where can we go from here? So if I move over here, and if the microphone follows me, that's great. Um, what I'd like to do is, is start off with Jill Einhorn, who, of course, is the, the head of innovation and transfer, transformation at the Center for Nature and Climate at the World Economic Forum. Now, Jill, it's your first time at the Arctic Circle, and I think it's actually your first time in Iceland. Correct. So if we could start off, what are your reflections? What do you think? You've been here a day and a half. You saw a lot of things yesterday. Tell us. It's, a, it's been really super to, to be here, to come and learn. Um, I think the one takeaway that I have is the clarity, precision, and authenticity of the indigenous perspective and the female perspective in these discussions. It's been very um, refreshing to see that. And I think uh, Governor General Simon, who was just here on stage earlier this morning, uh, she had a remark yesterday which really stuck with me, and that was, in the Arctic, there is more that links us than separates us. And uh, from a World Economic Forum perspective, I think in the world on planet Earth, there is more that connects us than separates us. We know that the global greenhouse gas emissions that are coming from around the world are influencing what's happening at the poles with far higher rates of, of, of climate change and, and global warming. And we know that these are also the uh, areas geographically which are going to lead to tipping points um, which will influence the lives of everybody uh, on Earth. And so uh, the poles are becoming an important priority for us all. Um, and I think it's time to connect the dots and help ensure that we have a global infrastructure in place 
to support um, a, an effective response in, in the context of what we're hearing from the scientists and what we're hearing from indigenous peoples. Well, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. This is a great spot to see all of those things and those innovations, I think, in the way dialogue and action can happen. But maybe you can give the audience a little bit of a background on, you know, what is the World Economic Forum? We, we, we talked to someone last night, and as soon as we said economic, they're, 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 they switched off. They said, that's not what we're interested in. So can you tell us a little bit about, sure. about the forum? So the World Economic Forum was founded 50 years ago, and it's an international organization for public-private cooperation. At its core is the, stake, the, the, the stakeholder concept of we're not just, if we think about organizations, and we tend to work more with the private sector, um, uh, the, a private sector entity cannot just be responsible and accountable to its governors. It cannot just be focused on profit. It needs to be thinking about who are all the stakeholders that it affects. And the World Economic Forum runs every year uh, a global risks report. And what we find in that report is that uh, over time, this is a perception survey with experts and with uh, corporates, we see over time, uh, both in terms of likelihood and impact, uh, both the nature and climate agenda is becoming more and more important. And we're seeing that there are intersectional risks here. So this is a systemic challenge. We've got the food crisis, we've got the energy crisis, we've got the climate and nature crisis. I've been hearing from the indigenous peoples about uh, the migration crisis and the indigenous language crisis. These things are intersectional and we can't take a linear approach to that. We can't just optimize for profit. We need to be thinking about, well, how do we break this open and how do we bring different kinds of stakeholders together? So the World Economic Forum started looking just at public sector and private sector. We rapidly built out a youth platform called the Global Shapers. We have uh, nearly 500 hubs uh, for anyone who is 20 to 30 years old who has good solutions to bring. Uh, if you already are living in a location, you're welcome to join your, your Shapers hub. If you don't have a Shapers hub in your location, you're welcome to start one. So that's an open offer to young people to get involved in this agenda. Similarly on innovation. Uh, one of the challenges we've observed with uh, your Arctic risk platform and with our uh, risk survey is that that leads to a trauma response. People say, oh my gosh, you know, these are some existential threats that we're facing and they go into a fight flight or freeze mode, a trauma response. And so what we need to say is, well, where is the possibility and opportunity? Where is the innovation? How do we bring that innovation in a way that can lead to a just and equitable transition while accounting for the climate science? And so we have ecosystems that focus on that. And then um, from July this year, we have been focusing a little bit more on the indigenous agenda because we recognize that at the World Economic Forum, uh, where we don't necessarily have the gender representation that we would like because the nature of companies is not yet there to allow for that, um, but we really need to be bringing those indigenous uh, perspectives to play, not just sitting on stage and having conversations, but engaged in the work of our projects to help ensure that what's being designed is informed with indigenous wisdom. And so that's a multi-year process that we've committed to, both on uh, the nature and climate agenda in terms of how can we invest to support these ecosystems, but also in terms of thinking about, well, what can the forum do to better engage these kinds of stakeholders? Absolutely. And I think my experience, having gone for a number of years, is that it's really changed over time. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it might be good just to say, you know, 10 years ago, how many people in the forum were working on environmental and climate issues? And where are you now? Because I think it's right. quite, quite no. eye-opening. <laughs> 
So I joined the World Economic Forum eight years ago, and um, at the time we had 16 sessions on our global agenda which were related to environment, uh, environmental issues broadly writ. Um, this year in May we had an exceptional Davos because of, of the pandemic, and we had over 120 sessions, many of whom were actually run by partners of the World Economic Forum, not even by ourselves. And so uh, what we have seen is both in terms of the number of sessions on our program, it's ex expanded a lot, but also in terms of the number of projects. Um, and I would say the projects have expanded around tenfold in the time that I've been working there. And that's because there's recognition from corporates of the urgency to act, and there's the recognition that we need to, to do a lot more in a more collaborative way, which is why the multi-stakeholder concept uh, is so important. Right, but at, at the same time, you know, where are the poles within that? So Jan Gunner, you know, you've also been to the World Economic Forum many, many times, and you've indeed worked on some of their global agenda councils. Can you give a background on, 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 on where you see uh, the forum working in this space, um, and what's your experience? Yeah, let me start with my experience and what WEF has done on the Arctic agenda. Uh, there has been um, a global uh, agenda council, as you mentioned, uh, working for two um, by two years. In the first period, we addressed uh, our work uh, to demystify uh, misperceptions of the Arctic. So it's a sweet and very short document at websites that I recommend you to read. And we addressed uh, topics like um, myths like the Arctic is an uninhabited, unclaimed frontier with no regulations and governance. Uh, the region's wealth of natural resources is readily available for development. Uh, the third myth was the Arctic will become immediately accessible as sea ice continues to disappear. And then a myth, which maybe is not that much of a myth anymore, the Arctic is tense with geopolitical disputes and is the next flashpoint for conflict. Uh, and the last one, climate changes in the Arctic are solely of local and regional importance. We realize there are so many misperceptions out there so we wanted to address that first. In the second phase, we entered what we heard in the last session, a work uh, connected to uh, Arctic Investment Protocol. And we established six principles uh, in that protocol, uh, and that it was to build resilient societies through economic development, uh, respect and include local communities and indigenous peoples, pursue measures to protect the environment of the Arctic, so a very strong environmental message there, Practice responsible and transparent business methods, also with reference to the last session. Consult and integrate science and traditional ecological knowledge. And the sixth principle was to strengthen pan-Arctic collaboration and sharing of best practices. Now that was the past. So with that as a backdrop, if WEF is deciding to re-engage on the Arctic and maybe on the polar agenda, I welcome that very much. Um, we know that climate change is not pausing. Uh, we know that uh, the need for transformation in societies and economies are not pausing, and we need basically all hands on deck. And I think WEF can make a difference and be complementary to other bodies, such as the Arctic Council, uh, this uh, conference here, Arctic Circle, and also the Arctic Frontiers, and provide a very important addition. Reaching out to a totally different audience uh, than here and other places, uh, having a strong sustainability agenda, as we heard. And by including Antarctica, I think it's a very nice segue link to the global risk work that WEF does, because the big issues like the melting ice caps, sea level rise, for example, 
is at the core of climate change, polar regions, and effects on societies globally. So then uh, I end by saying also that I think it's important in the future, if that happens, a polar engagement from WEF, to include and at least lean towards what's going on on the ocean agenda internationally. In a way, the world woke up to understand the importance of the oceans for climate solutions, for sustainable development a few years ago. It's quite new, but now it's all over the place. And also in WEF, there is a, a, a network and a, a group working on ocean issues. But the polar regions and the oceans, since most of the areas in the polar regions are ocean, is a very good match. I mean, I agree. That's why uh, you know, we take Arctic Base Camp every year. But the key is action. So maybe, Jill, you can say, um, you know, the forum is not just a talk shop. Uh, what have you already done that has had action uh, through the convening power of, of the organization? Sure, perhaps I can give an illustration with, I think, what is the most challenging uh, situation for the poles, which is greenhouse gas emissions. So we were approached by Ban Ki-moon in 2013, and he came to us and said, look, we're organizing this meeting in Paris. Uh, we have uh, the COP process. It's been dominated by uh, governments, and we haven't really had the private sector there. What we're looking to do is help raise ambition with, uh, with governments to help get them comfortable with the idea of making uh, larger commitments. Uh, and we'd like your help to bring those business voices who can really advocate for change. And so we created the CEO Climate Leaders Alliance, which at the time was about 60 companies. And what we were looking to do was to say, um, how do we uh, encourage uh, competition for good amongst companies. Corporates really know how to compete. They compete on product, on place. They know uh, who each other is and, and how each other operates. Well, how, how do we get these positive um, opportunities for, the t for them to compete for good? And uh, we created a coalition of the, of the first movers who were willing to join us. They came to, uh, to Paris. We all know the outcome of that meeting. Um, and now, today, it's the largest uh, CEO-led climate alliance in the world of 120 companies. It represents about $3.2 trillion of, of annual revenue. And the whole uh, purpose and focus of that alliance is, well, how do we help to encourage those who, who may be laggards on this issue uh, to step up? And so at the moment, we're in the process of designing um, uh, processes for the oil and gas sector, for the hard-to-abate emissions industries, to help to catalyze that kind of change uh, for those who really need to be at the forefront of this crisis. Okay, so you're optimistic that the forum can actually get CEOs and the engines behind those CEOs to act and act faster. But let's bring it back to the polls. So what, what can the forum do? That, that Why should the polls come to Davos, I guess is my question. Well, we're very grateful that you, you decided to, to come to Davos because when I was curating the agenda, we, it was very difficult actually to get these issues on the agenda. Um, and so it does help to have uh, organizations like the Arctic Base Camp to help to, to generate momentum there. Um, we, uh, we were invited by Prince Albert to um, a symposium in Monaco in February which was um, a convening of scientists and indigenous peoples uh, to discuss where are we at the moment with the science on both poles and how do we help to ensure that uh, this is uh, accurately reflected and, uh, and brought to the attention of policymakers and business. And at the end of that Congress, um, 
we were actually asked formally to, to engage in this agenda. And the World Economic Forum is an organization that won't step into an agenda without an invitation. Um, but we do see the need and we do understand that um, there's an opportunity here uh, to help to raise this agenda um, for the world and uh, to help to mobilize and catalyze action for this. Um, and so we're in an exploration phase, I would say. Uh, looking to see how we might best consult you all, and perhaps Gail can speak about the consultation approach that we're, we're taking, and how we might work together to identify those agendas where it's in our common interest, where from a scientific perspective, from an indigenous perspective, from an industry perspective, it makes sense for us to collaborate. Jan Gunnar mentioned the oceans. I mean, if you look at the fishing situation, it's in none of our interests to deplete that global commons to the point at which uh, there are no fish left, right? So how do we help to put in place the structures to protect those places that need to be protected and ensure that if there is any intervention in fishing, that it's really done in an appropriate way with the needs of local communities taken into consideration. Yeah, I'm going to open up for questions in a second, but I just want, Jan Gunnar, if maybe you can just react to that. You know, what advice do you have as the forum moves forward on this? You know, what, what, what is sort of a, a quick uh, a, a bit of guidance do you have, uh, given your vast experience in multiple er arenas like that? No, I think the, the WEF, if they go in this direction, should consult, as was said here, to make sure that there will be a win-win situation, uh, cooperate with existing bodies and processes that deals with the same issues, and have an additional uh, impact through its very, very strong member, members and, and audience. So I think it makes a lot of sense uh, for me. Yeah, and I, and I would encourage that. I mean, I think the Arctic uh, Circle uh, uh, Assembly is a, and the Secretariat are a perfect example of a, of a wonderful partner to, 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 to consult with as, as we move forward. So I'm going to take um, uh, questions uh, um, uh, now, and I'll, 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 I see a gentleman over here with a question. Thanks. The lights are, lights are back on. Hello. Thank you. Um, I'm and if you Ro could give your name. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Rocky Whites. I'm a director of the uh, Maritime Studies Program at the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts. Uh, first of all, great presentation. I love how it was all integrated and the oceans weren't forgotten. Um, so uh, I wanted to ask, um, I tell my students that the geopolitical environment in 2022 is, uh, is the most challenging uh, in recent memory for international cooperation. We need to keep the question quite And then very my, short. here's my question. So these issues are crucial. And how do we move forward, given the politics of, uh, of Eurasia. I'll just leave it at that. Thank you. Yep. I'm happy to jump in here. And um, what we've observed is that uh, corporates are actually quite, uh, you know, they think in the long term about uh, how they operate. And we try to encourage that to the degree possible. Uh, governments can be quite reactionary. So what we need is we need communities, citizens, um, and corporates to do their work and to act accordingly. Uh, and then the governments will wake up. I mean, we, 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 we see that happening already. And uh, that's really, I think, what shifted Paris uh, was we had those coalitions of action. Uh, and so for me, that's the approach to take. And, and, and can we have a second question? And for the audience, I have also to put a QR code because we'd like to have um, some feedback on your thoughts on how the World Economic Forum could potentially um, add value to the polar agenda, uh, the Arctic agenda, but also the broader polar agenda. Do we have a second question in the room? Oh, sorry. 
Over here. Thank you. Hello, my name is David Plotkin. I'm a student at the University of Iceland. And my question is, what is the role and responsibility of the World Economic Forum in cracking down on tax shelters that sequester money from the world's wealthiest corporations and billionaires and millionaires and redistributing that wealth into climate mitigation strategies? Yes. That's a great question. Thank you. Uh, I assume that's a question for me. Uh, So I think the reality that we see across the world is that not everybody is acting in the global common interest. And then the question is, well, how do we help to provide the safeguards and how do we help to mobilize everyone, take them from where they're at and move them to where they need to be? Your question requires policy, it requires corporations, it requires all of us to step up and have, uh, share our perspectives. Um, and I think we, that's, that, that's what's needed at this time. We, we need, you know, we're already on a sinking ship. I was just in a discussion yesterday about permafrost and I, like, I came out with my heart racing because I had no idea that um, in the IPCC models, they haven't even accounted for what's going on in terms of the, the permafrost. 82% of these models don't account for it, and it's 25 to 40% of our remaining carbon budget. That's not okay. We need, you know, that's, that's an illustration of a situation that needs to be fixed, as is yours. And so I think what we need to do is work out, well, how do we best collaborate? Because what we've learned is that competition and fighting each other, that's not going to work. What we need is a collaborative model where we can understand each other's perspectives, but we can come to, to a, a solution and a resolution on these issues, which avoids that kind of leakage in the system. Thank thank you. Uh, Jan Gunner, closing comment from you, and and then we'll have to end the session so we can have some lunch. Yeah, it was very good questions, and and the last one I I liked a lot. Uh, It's about um, equality, uh, prosperity, and also sustainability, and we we need to have many thoughts um, in our heads uh, when we work with these issues, so we may mobilize everyone, and as I said, we need all hands on deck because we are facing an existential threat in climate change. And nowadays, with all the other crises, it's really an issue and a challenge to get the climate agenda at top of the the priorities uh, in states, in companies, and so on. So we have to repeat that message that climate change is the long-term most uh, challenging um, situation that we face as a humanity. Thank you. And as we close this session, um, I would just like to, to really encourage people to drop by the Arctic Base Camp tent, which is now outside the front of Harpa. Also, please do a stakeholder consultation with us to let us know your thoughts, your concerns about um, uh, what is the, the, the space opportunity space for the World Economic Forum with the polar agenda. And also, I'd like to uh, announce and, and, and see if anybody in the audience knows some uh, uh, young professionals, perhaps scholars, perhaps young professionals, that uh, could help us scope out this area. We've just uh, in the final stages of signing a, uh, a Hoffman um, Fellowship with the World Economic Forum, with the University of Exeter and Arctic Base Camp, which would be a two-year fellowship where we would continue to work on that. So if you are interested or you know people that would be, fill out the survey and tell us who they are. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>